0: All right. So James chapter two. Let's catch up where we were in James chapter one uh, last week. We talked about uh, in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, what? Some of the things we talked about anger were what? Like why? Do, why do we? Why are we supposed to be slow to anger? Not
1: get angry too much because we're supposed to love others and not get
0: angry at them? That's right. We've got to love others and not get so angry with them. What happens when we get angry with people? What are some of the things that are, that are risky? Layla. i well, I mean, yes, you could come to physical violence. You could punch them, yeah. You get out of control. Out of, right, you get out of control. What happens when you get out of control? Sometimes you end up doing what? You say things you didn't really 100% mean. That's right. Right, you don't, when you don't have control of yourself, that's right. You're not calm, you're not thinking. You're just kind of blurting things out. And sometimes you say things that you don't mean. And some things are very hard to take back. And actually we'll talk about today in James chapter 2. Kind of the power of of what your words are, and how to be very careful with them. Okay, um, what also happens when you are quick to anger? What does it tend to mean with the, your relationship with someone else, or with trying to resolve a problem? But if you're quick to anger, what does that generally? What is that, some, That's right. You're slow to listen, right? Which means if you can't, if you don't listen carefully, what tends not to happen? They don't
1: talk to you because then you'd be like, oh, they're just
0: gonna blow up in my face. That's right. That's right. Some, you're not even going to listen to me. Why would I have a conversation, right? And we said one of the risks of not listening is you don't give the people the chance to what?
1: Talk. Uh,
0: That's right. Not a chance to talk. What about over, like, about it? Karis? They, yeah, they can't explain themselves, and then over time, you, they don't have the chance to show themselves as different. A lot of times, when we get angry with people, we assume, okay, we assume that we know um, what they did wrong and why they did it. Now. Let me look at you real quick just to make sure. Hold on. Maybe Everett. Maybe if I look real close at Everett. No. No one has a transparent skull. So far, I cannot see into your brain. And I cannot look into your heart. Which means anytime I say, I know the wrong that you did and I know why you did it, I'm taking a very, very big risk. Right? That it's not true. I'm claiming to know something I don't know. And so the risk is, is if I say, I know why they did this thing, and I'm quick to anger because I think they did it on purpose. Do, do I ever give them a chance to be different? No. Right. I never even give them the... They could have actually been different. And I didn't give them the opportunity to explain themselves and know that they're trying hard to be different. And so I don't allow people a chance to do the thing that I ask them to do. Because I get, I'm too quick to speak. I'm too quick to be, get angry about things. And I talk too quick as opposed to listening. Okay? Now... If we are all in a, in a society, if we were always constantly saying, hey, we're going to be slow to listen, it would be for very polite conversation, wouldn't it? We would all have very, we are like, oh, wait, no, let let you finish. You guys ever been in this, been in an argument and you just can't wait because they're taking so long to explain the thing and you've got the thing that you're going to say and so you can't wait to get it out so you're getting even more impatient with them? Happens to me all the time. I thought, I've got a real zinger. If you just shut up, okay, I'd be able to say the thing, but like... That's not being slow to listen, because frankly, if I let them talk, maybe my zinger... First of all, I shouldn't be zinging people. <laughs> Second of all, like, maybe they're going to address it anyway. Okay? So yeah, that was the thing, is we've got to be real careful that we want to be slow to speak. Okay, We want to be quick to listen, and slow to get angry. Um, ultimately, it keeps going, it says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Remember, that was one of the big risks, is that when we get angry at things, okay, it does not produce the righteousness of God, okay? God God gets to be angry. We said God has been angry for, it's okay to be angry. God has been angry for good reasons, okay? Um, but our anger tends not to be justified, all right? It tends to mean that we're going to, we get too excited about things. We don't have the chance to actually talk about what is what needs to be fixed. We just want to demonstrate our anger and it causes us to not have uh, people that are willing to talk to us over and over again um, and that kind of thing, okay? So we talked about that. Um, And it says, uh, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to, instead of save your souls, we like better rescue your lives. But it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And we said that was kind of an interesting thought process. Said you can't just hear it and you can't just think it. It has to come out in what you do, okay? Otherwise, the truth is you're really not, you're not believing it. The word that we use in the Bible for believe or faith um, does never, 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 listen to me, never is the connotation of I thought it and I agree. That isn't the connotation of belief or faith in, in in the scriptures, okay? Because there's not a separation for those folks, just like there shouldn't be for us, between what we think, what we say we believe, and what we do. There is a notion of it's imperfect, right? The thing that I know, the thing that I want to do, those traps, right? The things that I might do that doesn't match up with what I want, that can still be a thing, okay? But the thought of I will believe this and it has no impact on where I take my legs and what I do with my hands and what I say with my mouth, that is foreign. That is a foreign thing in Scripture, okay? And so it means if we believe the things that the Bible is telling us, we believe the things that Jesus has done, then it has to impact what we do. All right. Otherwise, simply you don't believe it. That's just the truth. You don't believe it. Okay. Um, and so he talked about, oh, but like looking at a mirror, so you gaze intently at something and forget. And we said, do they have mirrors back in that day like we have in our day? No. No. What were they generally looking at? Because remember? Water. Water. Could be water. Could be polished metal. Okay. Something. But like still, it's a very kind of. It's not quite a, a perfect look at your face, right? Like we've got the pretty shiny mirrors nowadays. They didn't really have that. Um, and so mo- most of them didn't know what their face looked like. And so the comparison that, that he's making here is like when you look intently into God's Word, if, if you walk away and then forget it, okay, that's about as valuable as trying to describe your own face to someone we've only seen at one time. okay. But when we look intently into God's Word, okay, what he referred to as the royal law, or the perfect law, or the law of liberty, it's all this kind of same thing. Okay, he's saying you get to know it and then you know what you're taking with you. You're aware of the thing that you're saying, I believe this and this is true. And then it starts to act out in your own life. Okay, and so our takeaway from that was we actually have to study it, right? We can't just, you can't just take my word for it. I'm trying to teach you faithfully my very best that I can. Okay, but we're only teaching small chunks in the Bible at a time. All right, so we want the full word of God, and so you got to read it. You got to read it, you got to think about it, you got to ask questions about it. God's not afraid of your questions, okay, but He wants you to take a look so that you know what you're saying. You know, I, I intend to follow Jesus, I know what this looks like, okay? Um, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So that was the connection between the thing that I think and what I say, okay? I can't just say, I love Jesus, by the way curse word, curse word, curse word, or I hate people, or blah, 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 like, or using your tongue for evil, or being too quick to anger, okay, or insulting others, okay, things that you do with your mouth, Um, it says, look, if you don't get control of this, then it's not true that you actually believe this, you may think it, okay, but like, belief follows through an action, Uh, and then he says, religion is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world so to help others okay or specifically orphans and widows what's what's unique about orphans and widows they so there's a lot of people that need help we're told to do it why these two though why orphans and widows specifically
1: because they don't have people to take care of them.
0: exactly they're missing key relationships in their lives right a widow is missing a spouse an orphan is missing a family okay and so God is saying like when those key relationships specifically that's what he's calling it when those key relationships may be missing okay he goes I expect the people of God to step in because God himself steps in and you notice he calls him God the Father here we we call it remember God's name is Yahweh he could say Yahweh here but what he says is God the Father because he wants us to think that God is filling in trying to fill those roles and he expects God's people to do that as well Later. Like
1: when you
0: when I went to Ethiopia? Uh, kind of, but we didn't do that. That wasn't really long term, right? Like we were there trying to help and we were helping widows and orphans. Um, the the context more here is something that you're doing all the time. There's like a maintenance issue to it where like I can constantly be a father or a father figure, okay? It's not that those short term things are bad. Um, it's just like if we all are called to something that's a little bit more permanent where we're at, as long as we've got Jesus people everywhere, then everyone will be taken care of, okay? All right. Then it continues. My brothers, this is the start of chapter 2, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So when he says show no partiality, what, is that? what does that word mean, partiality?
1: Favoritism.
0: What was it? Favoritism. Yeah, favoritism. Um, so to, to choose one person over the other. What In this example, what is it based on? The way his yeah, the way they look. How much like and, and the way people look is kind of an expression in this instance of how much money they had. In that culture, sometimes in ours, but certainly in that culture, like if you had money, you wore it. You wanted people to know that you had money. Because the world generally would go, oh, he has money because either he's, like, he's very important, his family is very important, okay, or he's very powerful. Um, and money is a reflection of that. So if you came in and, so what they would say, we said gold rings and fine clothing, immediately you look at the door and you say, look at that guy. Look at those gold rings he's got. Something going on there. Something nice. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then you look at a guy in a shabby clothing and go, "Eh. what might we think? Oh, he makes poor decisions in life. He's not a good person, or sometimes they would think he got he's getting what he deserves. Okay, this sense of the guy in the gold, when the gold rings and the nice clothes, he must be a good person, and God is rewarding him. And look at the guy in the shabby clothes who stinks, and we say, no, maybe maybe God is not rewarding him because he's not a good person. That's that's what James is addressing that kind of thought. Now, from what you know, is that a consistent thing with what Jesus would say? Can you look at a guy in shabby clothes and go, well, yeah, God has done that to him because he's a bad dude? Ooh, no, no, hold on. Let's, let's let's finish what he says. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom? What is, what, what, in, our, in our, we've been discussing this through Matthew, through Acts, and now into James, that's because God's kingdom is what? He has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. Yeah, it's upside down. It's upside down. If the world would look at the guy in the shabby clothes and say, uh, he doesn't have any faith, or God is not rewarding him. Okay, then we should treat him lower. And the specific thing, and James is quoting Jesus here, saying, "Hey, look, man, God has given it to the poor. God has given it to the poor to be rich in faith, to basically know God, have a right relationship with God, and to know Him well." Okay, uh, we're going to talk about why that is here in just a second. But like, so we, when James tells us to show no partiality, he's saying, "Look, we can't judge like the world judges." Isn't that kind of what we've talked about so far? It's like this this difference, double mindedness between God's character and then the way that the world does things. And what He's saying is, "Hey, look, we don't work that way. We don't work that way. We don't we don't make decisions based upon that." Now, that's less likely to happen in here because I know y'all, right, Hillary? Doesn't a um, story in the world where there's, like, there's a paralyzed I forget which, and the disciples are all like, "Hey, Jesus, which one sinned—the guy or
1: his parents—that he's been born paralyze?
0: That's right, yes Yeah that, There is a story There was of a, of a guy who was, who was blind And the disciples were like God has punished this man Either because his parents Were sinful Or because he was sinful Okay it's, He's gotten kind of What he deserved Through his sin Do you guys remember What Jesus' reaction was to that? No.
1: no Yes
0: He said What was it? Um, he
1: said um, I don't know Like he
0: was born blind Or something Yeah it was neither Yeah that ultimately he's saying Look it wasn't It wasn't due to sin That's not why this is like, your, Jesus is saying, I want you to react to his condition, not try to sort out how it got there. That was ultimately one of the takeaways from that story. But yeah, and the, the thing is, is like we just can't judge like the rest of the world judges. We can't look at people like that. Um, and so, listen to what he says. He says, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice that he's kind of put those two things um, against each other? Hey, I believe and I trust and follow Jesus. Hey, I am partial to people based upon how much money they have or their power or their position in the world or what type of family situation they have. And he said he puts those things against each other and says those, those things do not go together. You cannot say I trust the Lord Jesus and I, am, I show partiality among people. Because ultimately it's a deceit about how you understand yourself. It assumes that a one you're in a position to make distinctions like that type of thing. You are in the ability to say this person should be honored, this person should be shamed. That's not your place. Among whole the whole world works like that, not the kingdom of Jesus. The kingdom of Jesus doesn't work like that. You don't deal out honor and shame, okay? Because there's an equivalence to all this. What's the same about absolutely everybody? Rich, poor, power, no power. What's the same? What is it? Yes, yeah, we're all people, and as people, we are all. We are all sinful. We are all in need of. That's right. Exactly. We are all in need of a savior and of God himself. Okay. And so it is in God's character to say, I will be merciful to those. And if you look out and say, you don't realize that you needed mercy and you look out at other people and say, oh, well, they don't need mercy because they are good and you're making judgments upon them. That's a misunderstanding of who you are. Okay. That's what he's saying. You You trust Jesus to make distinctions. That's not your game. You don't do that at all. Okay. Now, how does that express itself? We talk about that in kind of in this perspective, of someone coming into your church. But can that still be the true, truth about who you hang out with at school? Or how you treat various types of friends? Can it? Yeah. Yeah. We say, oh, well, this type of person isn't the type of person that I want to be around. Uh, so I will treat this person very well and I'll treat this person very poorly. And God's not here for that. He's saying, look, you're misunderstanding yourself if you're going to make distinctions like that. It doesn't mean you can't have good friends. Versus not as good friends. That's okay. okay. But what we're talking about is honor, basically honor and shaming. Um, so I, we, um, I don't know. If, uh, in school, I'm trying to, trying to think of examples where there tended to be tables. At, at lunch, we would have lunch at school. And there would tend to be tables of people um, and they would all group together, types of folks. And they often wouldn't cross. Okay? So like certain types of kids, some of the kids, the, um, the smellier kids tended to be the poorer kids. Um, the kids that might, might be a little bit different, um, they tended to sit kind of over here by themselves. And then everyone else would sit at all the other tables. And like that is the exact thing that Jesus says, I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that. You don't make that. Decision. Now, if they choose to, because that's where they want to be and that's where their friends are, totally cool. Right? But like we don't do that. That's what, makes, that's what makes the kingdom of Jesus different than everyone else in the world. We don't make those types of distinctions. Because like those are surface things. Okay? Ultimately, all sinners, all people in need of Jesus... All people in need of mercy. If we can't look at people like that, you're not agreeing with God on how He looks at the world, and that's no faith. That's a faith problem. Do we understand? So, like, sometimes you guys, you gotta, you're, you're you have to force yourself past this. Sometimes something will happen, and the, the, when they imply that, like the guy comes in, and he's shabbily dressed. Like the implication also is that he, he stinks. Okay, like, like there's something he cannot take care of himself very well. And so if you were in, the, the word here is synagogue, but think of your church. If someone came in here, we have a small place, right? doesn't matter whose house we got, we're, we're, we got close quarters. And so if someone came here and they didn't smell very good, right, would you notice? Of course you would notice. Okay, and, they, and would you say, oh man, look, you really kind of stink. Maybe you should kind of sit in the back away from everyone so we don't have to deal with that stuff. Everyone else will sit up here. You send him over by Kevin. You send him to Kevin. <laughs> send him to the Kevin area. Okay? So, like, that's the kind of thing that he's saying. He's saying, like, no, we don't, we don't do that. He's here for what you're here for. You're going to put up with it. You hear me? We're going to put up with it. You're going to say, look, does it stink? Yeah, I mean, you don't, your nose didn't fall off. You get it. The man probably does stink. Now, can you help? Maybe. Maybe you can help with that. But, like, no, we're not sending people somewhere else. Okay? Because they don't fit in easily with the things that we're doing. Layla. Uh,
1: why did... They purposely make one or in the story, did they purposely have one rich man and one poor man come into the story? Yes,
0: yeah, he was trying to use a comparison, yeah. yeah. Now, the way that he tells the story, here's what's interesting, this isn't a hypothetical story. The way that the Greek words are kind of set up is like, this is something that they're doing. They're actually doing this type of thing, okay, which would totally make sense in that world. Rich man gets the seat of honor, poor man gets the seat of subservience, okay? Of, or it is not, of shame. Yeah, sorry. My bad. I gave a shot. <laughs> when I was a kid in Sunday school, um, my favorite
1: Sunday school teacher, he told us a story about a guy he knew... Who, him and his wife, they dressed up in the best clothes that they had. And they went to a church. Um, they were visiting because so they were traveling. Yeah. And they were asked to leave that church. What? Like, because they were dressed in the nice clothes they had, but that wasn't nice in comparison to what the church standard was. And, like, that stuck out in my brain, like, my entire life. I've never forgot that story. Yeah. Because that is, it just horrified me. I mean, I'm just, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Whatsoever, and it makes me think of that um, song from the '70s about um, the guy who puts his hair up under a hat and goes. Oh yeah, to, yeah. You know, yep. Um, ask for a job, and then he pulls his hat down, and he's like, "Look at my hair! Like, you wouldn't hire me otherwise." You know, the like sun, yes, everywhere, sign. Sign. <laughs>
0: Exactly.
1: You know, but like that just is always stuck with me because it horrifies me. Like, yeah. I just I don't understand that. Yeah. And if we are ever like that with anything like that is so
0: wrong yes yeah and that's that's old, that's totally what he's getting at now here's the thing guys here's where we have to be careful with this particular lesson is that we may easily look at this and say well we would never do that we would never do such a thing on something like appearance but we might do such a things about other things like I do this with the actually the rich exactly. people. I do it the other way around. Yes, the other way. I was thinking that
1: yeah. this morning because yeah. they're not my people. They make me uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You always think that they're judging you in some way right. because you're the shabby guy. Right. Yeah, I, I do. I'm the shabby who has to leave. I do this I mean obviously with, with very, very poor people and with some some life experience in that area, I do tend to say you've made choices that have done this to you. And then I will remove honor from that. I, I do do that. And, and I'm, I'm on the other end of the spectrum as well. People that, that have done very well for themselves and carry them in such a way, I, I put them in the same category. Like, I, just, I don't know you very well. And I'm pretty sure we look at life different. So, you know, no honor for you either. You probably did something you shouldn't have. Or spent less time than your family, with your family that you should have. Or sacrificed hanging out with your kids' baseball game or something to get to what you've got. You know, like I can only assume these gains are ill-gotten. Yeah. So, <laughs> on many people exactly and like I just, just I assume that definitely right off the bat and I mean here's the thing is that like those are um, James is not has been pretty firm on like what brings that uh, risk right like that those things could happen but like you don't you don't know. That's the thing. Is like we're slow to listen, like quick to speak. You, we don't know. We're not dealing with actually knowing each other. We're dealing with what I thought of because of basic things about you. Hey, you have money. Hey, you, you're wearing the rings. Hey, you have shabby clothes. Like that's the whole point is, is, is James is saying, look, we don't get to do that. We, we, we don't get to do quick judgments. Some, some people, there's books. I mean books upon books in the business world of like how to kind of level, like know people right away, see what they look like, know who they are so that you can tell how to deal with them. Christianity don't do that. We're slow burners, okay? We're not Instapots. We're slow. We're the, the long cookers, okay? We take stuff in for very long periods of time so that we actually are dealing with reality. Um, other risks that we don't run, run are things that are less obvious. So like in a, in a community like ours, here's a big risk, guys. For the most part, there are a lot of similarities to the families in this room, the types of situations that we run into, the way that you think about different things in life or different parental choices or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, so so there's different, there's differences, but then there's a lot of sames, okay? Um, Running into or starting to describe honor or ascribe honor and shame based upon choices that people have made that aren't the same that you would make, life situations that have come beforehand, okay, Um, or things like that, like that, we run the risk there of kind of keeping people on the outside of things because we're not all the same. Things are not similar across the board. Okay? So, yeah, maybe it is um, just choices that they've made. Maybe it's like, hey, they came in and they want to hear about Jesus, but, like, they're not faithfully following and they're making weird choices, like, even right now. Like, that day in church, they're making weird choices. And, like, you know our reaction to that? Praise praise Yahweh that they're here. Not the people, the faithful Christians come over and do this thing, and then the other people go over and do this thing. God does make a distinction about certain things, like communion, because that's just a, rev- a revelation of, are you in or out? If you said you're in, you celebrate. If you're not, then this isn't for you yet. Okay? God does make distinctions about things like that. But that's that's only the core distinction is about the orientation of your heart to God. That's it. Okay? Everything else, we've got to be very careful about where you draw lines. In fact, stop drawing lines. Okay? if you are If you are partial, if you choose whom you show love to based upon things like that, you are misunderstanding the character of God. And frankly, the mercy that you've been shown. That's what this is about. That is hard. If that seems like an easy teaching to you, I'm, you might not be honest with yourself. Okay? That is a hard teaching to say where, where my love cannot be dependent upon those things. I require mercy. Other folks require mercy as well. Alright, he says. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. He's
1: saying don't be greedy if you have to answer,
0: um, he, he will ultimately get to that. Yes. Um, ultimately, uh, not to be, if you're faithful with it, you're to be faithful with whatever you have basically. So if you have a lot, you have, you need to be faithful with it. If you have less, you should be faithful with that. Um, God, the whole point when he goes on further and he says, um, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? One of the things that he's, he's saying, which he also said in chapter one was, is that you run the risk, the more money you have, that you don't have to trust God with things right? As you say, I can provide for myself. I can buy the clothes. I can buy the food. I don't have to like, it's not for me to pray every day and say, God, if you don't provide this, I won't have it. And so, um, those, the the poor you are, especially in that world, it's, it's true today still to a certain extent, you're more likely to rely on God or know him better because you don't have a choice. You can't rely on anything else. You don't have it to rely on. Um, so, um, wealth brings with it risks, but they're not, they, it's not that they can't be overcome. It's just hard. It brings with a risk that you got to be real careful of. get
1: Yes, that
0: I that, mean, that, that, I mean, that is that? Move. a
1: risk, so not That's right. have a
0: rich relationship with God That's right. And it's really, it's really. If your does your money, does your wealth, do your things compete in your relationship with God? Do I rely on them, or do I rely on God, or do I look at what I have as what God has provided, and then what I will do with faithfully? Um, And it's not like that. Remember, if you remember in chapter one, the poor didn't get get away from anything easier because God is saying, um, yeah, the rich run the risk, the poor run the risk of saying, I want to be like that, and that's what I want. Okay, so like overall, it's the money that's the problem, or the wealth that's the problem. You just got to be careful about your relationship with it. Okay, he says, um, "If you if you treat people up that way, um, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts?" Um, So here's here's what what that that phrase is kind of getting at. In that world, a lot of times, if you were a judge in a courtroom and it was a poor man versus a rich man, which tended to be the case, by the way, because maybe the rich man lent money to the poor man that he couldn't pay back. So oftentimes they're being taken to court, which is very awkward because the poor man who couldn't pay the thing back the first time ain't going to be able to pay it the second time just because the judge said so. He ends up in prison, ultimately, is what happens with the poor man. Okay? Um, but he says, lest you be judges with evil thoughts, what is likely to happen, we think, oh, well, the poor man couldn't pay his bills. And we start thinking other, other wrong things about him, like he must be a, a liar or a cheat or irresponsible with himself. Okay? The man could just be poor. He just doesn't have it. Okay? It could be that the, that the guy who had a lot of money was not uh, – I'm going to use a big word – was not scrupulous, did not, did not blend it with good intention, knew that the man couldn't pay it back. That's right. He took advantage of it. Okay, and so but that's what the judges might do is they might say, well, here's a well-dressed, put together man. He must be telling the truth. Here's a shabby dude. He must not be telling the truth. You do that. Oh, man, I probably do. Maybe it's on. You got to be careful. It could be how people are dressing. It could. um, And sometimes it's like uh, the younger you are. Maybe I do it by age. Oh, they're older. So they're probably going to tell me the truth younger. They're probably not going to. Did you have a question oh I thought you were like no. yeah, yeah. so you are a young that's true so no and good job that's tells truth that's, that's the that's the point hope is to say that I shouldn't say well just because hope is young she didn't tell the truth I should never think that right because you do tell the truth. So, so that's the thing where we've got to be careful, guys. It's like using those external distinctions and saying, well, I trust this person, not this person, because they're older. Is that always the case? I know plenty of unscrupulous old people, <laughs> right? People that would deceive you to get their own thing, okay? And so that's what he's say, Do you want to be that? Because that's how you're acting if you show partiality like that, is you're, is you're making decisions based upon shallow physical things, okay? Um, and, and, and God's not here for that either. He said... I like the phrase, I don't abide that. The Lord does not abide that. He don't live in it. Okay? Alright. So he says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? That's that scenario. <laughs> and he says, Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Basically, harass you for being Christians. Because you're, because you're in the street every day saying the Lord will provide and they're walking by with their riches going, I'll provide for myself. Okay? That's what they're getting at Alright, then it says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. boo, that's fun. What's the royal law? We talked about that already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's royal? Fancy, rich, kings? Ah! It's the king's law. When we talk about the royal law, it's the law of the kings. Okay, who's the king? Jesus. Yay, it's Jesus' law. Okay, we got it. Okay, God's law, king's law. Good, good. Um Bible? Yes. Yes. Uh, and Jesus himself. So if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Have we heard that before? You shall love your neighbor as yourself? Yes. When did Jesus say it? Uh, Anybody remember the context in this? Uh no. Yeah, they asked him a question. He responded to this to a specific question. Oh, the two. Uh, he asked him the, the most important parts of the law. Uh huh. And he said, Love God with all your. Uh, love God and love people. That's right. That's right. So, like, they were trying. First, they were trying to pin Jesus down. You guys remember every interaction with the Pharisees was trying to pin Jesus down and get him in trouble. And they... he said, What's that? Matthew 23. You going to look it up? <laughs> I just That's want to see if you knew. Of what are you, what do you, who's the Pat? <laughs> do you know where it's at or don't you? Um, <laughs> so, um, so Matthew 23, they had come up and asked and said, what's the greatest commandment of all the law, which was, if we look at the law, basically your, your Old Testament or a good chunk of it. Okay, this 22. Thing, blast, that close. Okay. Um, so he asked him, so they said, what's the greatest law? And he says, the greatest law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind. Okay. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourselves. Okay, um, did Jesus make those up? Kind of summarize them on his own accord? No, where do those come from? Yeah, from the from the law itself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself are are laws that God had always given His people. What's that? It is from the Great Shema. Levincus? That's in the great Shema. Yeah. the great Shema. Yeah, yeah. The Shema is from that's Deuteronomy, and then the love your neighbor as yourself is Leviticus. The great Shema. Okay, they're in. Do you guys remember the Shema? Shema. The Lord our God God is one. Love the Lord, the Lord is your God, God. God. Yep, there it is. Yep, that's great. Shema. Wait, do you remember what Shema means? Anybody remember? Shema. Shema means a sandwich. Kevin, do you know? No, it's gone. If, if, uh, listen, it means the great here. Oh, yeah.
1: Hear, yeah. yeah,
0: the great hear the great yeah, listen we, we totally knew that <laughs> 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 Yeah, <go for> it. <laughs> yeah, got yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure you remember I said here wrong I said sandwich and I was just I'm mispronouncing yeah. <laughs> that's a lie it's, it's, be- <laughs> a it's a trap it's a trap yeah. sandwich <laughs> oh Israel if the Lord our God the Lord is one okay. alright yeah. so, so that's what he's referring what he calls when we talk about the royal law ok guys join me rejoin me Rejoin me. okay. Um, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about the royal law. okay. Um, and so he says, You are, if you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Okay, focus. Focus. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law's transgressors. Um, he says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mike. And Paul Paul does the same same comparison somewhere, doesn't he? Where he goes on this thing like if you're guilty of one... That's right. You're guilty of everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So there's two primary things I want you to walk away with that comparison. So what did he put... He said... Uh, so we, if you guys remember, murder means you're going to kill somebody. Okay? Adultery means that you're going to treat someone else as your spouse who is not your spouse. Okay? When you marry someone, you stay married. You don't get to treat other people like they're also your spouse. Okay? So God had said no to both of those things. What did he put on the same level as that? What was it? The partiality. partiality. Yeah. Showing partiality. And what did they tend to... What was the example that he gave? They showed partiality with their what? Their honor. No. Speaking in your phys- in a physical means, you sit over here. You sit at my feet. Your mouth, your voice, what you say, what you speak. Okay, that—that's what—that's—that's that's what he's putting on par. Okay, so like, here are actions. We tend to think of sin. We think of actions that we're taking. Hey, don't don't uh, stab a guy. Okay. Hey, don't treat someone as a spouse who's not my spouse. So
1: when you say it's fine and it's not fine.
0: I don't follow the question, sorry. Did one thing say another? Yeah. Is like,
1: he's saying that's
0: as, as the same. The partiality is the same. That's what he's saying. Like that, the, the, that's the context of where he's saying from. remember, If we go back to the start of that, he says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture to love your neighbors as yourselves, you are d- doing well. But if you show partiality, like he did with the poor man and the rich man, okay, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For keeps the whole law but fails in one point and hasn't become accountable for all of it. So it's not good enough to say, hey, I don't kill people. And hey, yes, I, I'm faithful to my spouse. But I mistreat people based upon whether they're rich or poor. Okay, The risk that we run is to say, boy, these things seem really heavy. This thing seems like, eh, it's you know. okay if I'm a little judge, That's right. We can, hit nobody. We can work on it. We can work on this rich-poor thing. It's going to take a little effort. But like you go, hey, I'm considering murdering someone. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to put a little effort. Hopefully, I don't do it later. You understand what I'm saying? It's like our risk is that we think, look at these big things. We don't do these. They must be all right. But then we do these things, and he's saying, again, God ain't here for that. He's saying, I want you to I conform to my whole character, not just the things that you find important. Because what's implicit in that is a judgment that says, I agree with God that murder's rough, and I shouldn't treat other people as my spouse. But like, this thing where I kind of trust the ages or I trust the wealth. Or like, hey, their life situation is a little different. Or that guy kind of stinks a bit. Uh, I mean, maybe God doesn't really know all about that. Maybe I can make some distinctions there.
1: But
0: it's a trap. That's That's, a trap. That's right. That's a trap. It is a trap. Okay? It's a trap. So so that's the one thing is he's put those things together. And then he's also said, what? Like if you fail in one thing of the law. You fail at all. The whole thing's gone. Why? That seems harsh, doesn't it? It's a gateway.
1: Mm. Mm. It's like the doobie sin. Yeah,
0: it's the marijuana of sin. Okay, what? Why? Why? Because that's true. It's it's true for all sin. God says, "Here's the whole law. Here's all the things that like you should do." And then if you fail at one of them, I basically say all fail.
1: Why? Because you have to fall
0: all. Yeah, because God is. Perfect. Yeah, but why not? Yeah, hit me with it. Yeah, cuz God is perfect and and, and and he's asking you to be perfect. So, if you want to judge by your own actions, uh, as soon as you break one of the things he's asked you to do or not to do, you're no longer perfect and you can't fix it. You can't redeem it. There it is. And that's the
1: purpose of a savior. That's correct. Cuz we can't do that. That's
0: yeah. Awesome. So, recognize that like there don't don't have it in your head. Think think of this, okay? There are the prisons, the prisons are full of people who have harmed other folks who have committed crimes that got them into jail if you right now are under the impression that you are closer to God than them because you have not done those things you are mistaken that's a pretty clear example right guys and you might think that oh if a guy comes up and shakes hands and says oh yeah I've been in prison immediately you're like oh could be a rough and tumbler could be a rough character could be up to weird sinful things and you know what he's thinking hey I'm looking at another person who loves and follows Jesus they're a rough and tumbler they're up to sinful things and he would be right he would be right, okay? That, so the prison is a good example because that's actually someone who is separated from you physically because they might commit harm. You do not get to think I am closer to God than them. It's not how it works, okay? The question is, do they love and serve Jesus or not? Are you sure, man? Because that's how it works. And not I'm guilty of the thing that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to recognize what they are going
1: to be, and then you have to guard your heart. On that. Yeah. And make sure that you, I and mean, God fills in those areas most some of us
0: are better at not being judging right that is, um, it, it is one of the hard things in our lives because we are in a comfortable enough position to judge others to be honest some people just don't have the, they don't have the, the, the time they don't have the, the money they don't have any like they can't think of anything else they're busy doing other things. We got time to sit back and be like you know what guy's worse than me. Least I didn't do blah blah blah, and Jesus and God, God has two major things here. If we read again, okay, one is to point out um, you can't you can't make the whole law. The whole law is a, is perfect. It's a reflection of God's character, and so to, to the point that you violate it, you are not um, being like God is, and He's kind of called you to that. He's well aware that you're not going to be able to keep that up. OK, because that's when he says, if you're not commit, um, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. We've heard that phrase before. What I, it's the law of liberty, the law of freedom. That's kind of interesting because what we would think as look at all these restrictions, James seems to think is a law of freedom, something that sets you free. Yeah, the law of freedom. Uh, ultimately, what he's pointing to is he's saying, look, if this is a law um, that sets you free because we, we have an idea of what God's character is, and then we know that, the, that there is mercy in relation to it. Because here's, listen to the last thing he says. For judgment is without mercy to to, note, to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What's mercy mean? What does mercy mean? Emma. Punishment. Not Yes. We're harsh.
1: Uh,
0: so okay, could be, could be you're not not receiving the full effects of your actions. Okay. you agree? That sound right, Ren? So yeah, mercy is is basically getting what you don't deserve. So, like, if you did this thing and you des- and your punishment should be this, and instead your punishment is this, or it goes away completely, that, that was mercy. You receive what you didn't deserve. Go to, go to actual definition of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, hit me. So mercy
1: Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is
0: within one's power to punish or harm. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think we can get on board with that. Great. The so receive
1: what you didn't deserve thing could 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 be bad or good because if your punishment is up here and down here, that's mercy, but what if it's up here? You're also receiving what you don't
0: deserve. Uh, yeah, that's true. This is, where, this is where Pat's definition is more helpful, because it implies some level's compassion, as opposed to, like, you stole a chicken, and we, uh, I don't know, t- took your arm or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, so, um, so, right, so the reminder then is, okay, is that there is a law that you cannot... That you cannot keep with. You, you cannot always live in consistent with God's character. But he says, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. The law points us to understanding the mercy that we've been provided. Does that make sense? So like, I don't know, for example, that God has rescued me for, or forgiven something unless I knew it was a problem to begin with. Right? And so, like, part of what James is reminding you is, is one, don't call something not a problem that God says is a problem. But to know what God says and to know his character is to say, I know when I didn't live up to that and I know that he has mercy for it. And that phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment, is super cool. Because um, if you think about it in the way that he's describing it, it is mercy is more powerful than judgment. Because it it can overrule it. Does that make sense? So, like, if I say, this is what you deserve, and then mercy comes in and says, yes, agreed, because God always agrees, his judgment is good. He has judged that the thing that you're doing is inconsistent with his character. It's a violation of a law. Okay? That's the right judgment. The mercy says, however, you don't ultimately receive the consequences. Or they are reduced. And in God's case, they're gone. He takes the con. He provides mercy. Okay? Sometimes we get really good at pointing out, doing the judging part. Hey, you're not living you're not doing the thing right. You failed in this, you failed in this, you failed in this. Okay? But without mercy, okay? What is it? What, what was what did he say here? He said, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. What does that mean? Judgment gets no mercy for one who has no mercy. What does it mean?
1: Can you read it again?
0: Yep. Judgment is without mercy. To one who has shown no mercy. Is that what you're going to say, Emma? Something like that? Yeah. It's basically, there is no mercy for you if you are going to judge without mercy. Oh. Right? So if you say, in fact, there's a, there's, a, a, there's some parables of Jesus that kind of get to this um, about the guy. You guys remember the parable of the guy who like needs to collect money from the king and the king shows him a little mercy but then he goes out and shakes down all the guys who owe him money he's like give it over I need to go give this money to the king he was like a real jerk about it and the king goes what the heck man <laughs> right I showed you mercy and then you didn't show mercy to anybody else and so the king has no mercy on him that's what James is saying here is that like to live in the law of liberty okay the law it is, it is a law of freedom because we recognize that there is mercy in it and so if God looks at your life and says yes here are all the things you have done wrong. I have mercy for that. And then you look around at everybody else and go, no mercy for you. You are not living within the law of freedom. You are living inconsistent with God's character. That is a sin. Do you guys recognize the comparison he's making? Do not, do not think that you are accepting the mercy of God and that you are then not on the hook to be merciful to other people. Okay? Which goes back to some of what he's talking about already. We're going to be patient. We're going to be gracious. We're going to be kind. We're going to recognize that we received the mercy that those same people that we're upset about also deserve. Well, don't deserve, are going to get anyway from God. Do you understand? When we get angry about things like that, when we don't show mercy to people, we forget the law of freedom that we're living under. We forget that we receive first mercy from God. And for us to withhold our mercy from someone else is inconsistent with God's character. And if it's inconsistent with God's character... It's a sin. You've, you've separated yourself. Does that make sense? Now, the question is, often that comes up, is like, God's judgment, how does his judgment and his mercy go together? How do they still make sense? Well, God still always calls the thing the thing, right? He doesn't ever go, hey, so if you lie or something, God doesn't ever go, oh, well, they didn't lie at all. That's not dumb, (laughs) right? He's not aware of what's going on. It's not like he he forgets things. He's like, that is definitely a lie, and I will definitely die on the cross for forgiveness of that. Do you guys struggle with that type of thought towards other people? Layla? Layla? That would be very difficult, right? And in fact, the only thing that you know about them, maybe, is that they've done something that requires forgiveness. Yes. Yeah. Now, think about that in things that you otherwise, that you have control over, okay? So, you have, someone has mistreated you, and in the, the ways that you've made mistakes and God has forgiven you, and you look out, do you guys hold them? Can, is it, well, here, let me think, let me let me do this the other way. I'm not going to give you an example. I'm just going to tell you how, how you should probably react to things, okay? When you are mistreated, when someone commits a wrong, either against you or around you or that you know about, okay, it is not your place to lie and not call it for what it is. That's right judgment. We are called to right judgment. We say, yes, that is a wrong thing. Perfectly acceptable. The next step, however, is Mercy. That says, yes, this is we judged it correctly, this was wrong, but in reaction to that we are going to be merciful. We are going to give people or treat people in such a way that they do not deserve based upon their behavior. Does that make sense? No? I got like a ten percent ten percent response rate. Yeah, yeah you know, I wish. Here's what I don't know. I'm okay with one thing, I'm not okay with the other. Uh, if you're not paying attention, that's one thing. If we don't agree with it, that's the second thing. Not paying attention, I will repeat. Disagree with, I will repeat ten times. It's best to pay it. <laughs> okay? Showing, showing mercy. I, I am confident that everybody in this room, regardless of your age, wealth, social status, and receding hairline, has the ability to apply being merciful to people who we feel like don't deserve it, probably today, certainly tomorrow most definitely next by the end of next week okay may even be things today that you've had on your mind or been treating people a certain way over an extended period of time now is the time to do it your judgment regardless of how right it is without mercy dismisses god's mercy to you and as if J- if we were to believe james which we probably should he says to you who has no mercy, no mercy shall be given. And lest we think that that is the only thing that James thinks, Jesus says something very, very similar. Um, after he talks about um, the Lord's Prayer, he says, to whom you, like, you will be forgiven. Okay? To whom you are, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. But if you refuse to forgive, you will not be. Because ultimately, that's, that's a rebellion. That's saying, I refuse to conform to God's character and forgive. I refuse to conform to God's character and have mercy. And that's rebellion, and saying, "Look, you don't believe me. If you don't trust me with this, then you don't trust me." Does that make sense? That's because ultimately, then this is this is this is God has always been that way. He says, "Vengeance is mine; I will handle it." You trust me with that. It's not yours to hold on to. It doesn't mean you are not wise about what you do with people. Okay, if someone steals from you, you don't necessarily leave the door unlocked when they're around. Okay, discerning judgment, but forgiveness and mercy. Um, there is one, one of my favorite. Um, things back from... Uh, there's a book called Micah. You guys don't have to go. I'm going to go. And I'll share this with you and then we'll be done. It's um, from Micah 6. There we go. Okay. So, um, Micah... Micah is a prophet. Do you guys remember what, what I said? Uh, what does a prophet do? What's their job? Um, um, They are
1: the person
0: who hears God and then tells the people. That's right. Their job is to... Br- Yep, bring God, bring the word of God to people. Ella. Uh, like I said, he, uh,
1: he listens to Jesus and tells the people the words because
0: uh, Jesus can't do it. So, but uh, his uh, followers Okay, yep, yep, right on. Okay, so Micah is a prophet. Um, they call him a minor prophet. He's a guy who was um, a bunch of, a group of prophets were all speaking in the same period of time. Trying to get God's people to listen, they were being rebellious and not paying attention, and God was punishing them to try to get their attention. Okay, Um, in this chapter of Micah, um, it's in Micah chapter six, and it's basically, "What does the Lord require?" His job was to go to God's people and say, "Look, here's what God is after," and listen to what he says. What shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old, basically with sacrifices and and animals, and say, God, we will give these to you? Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Okay. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, for my sin, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Say, God, what do we bring God? What will we bring? Wait, just wait. It's a a question the, the prophet is asking. Not what I'm, he's asking of you. <laughs> just wait. So like, um, that's the big thing. Is What does God want? What does God want? Here's the answer. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Two things. There's two lines. But to do justice. And to love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. Recognize who you are in right relationship with God. That's walking humbly with God. To do justice, to love kindness, okay? And bundled up in that is our concept of mercy.
1: I was
0: going to say more followers. Uh, He does want more followers, but like, this is how he wants the followers of him to find. Does that make sense? Is to do these types of things, okay? So, if we walk away from James, this part of James, okay? Things that we want to walk away with. Um, One, be careful on the distinctions that you're making among people. As a matter of fact, don't make them, all right? God's not making them. You don't need to make them either. Sometimes you'll have to fight for that. Um, And sometimes you'll have to fight for that by getting out of your comfort zone. When you are in the same, you meet the same people all the time, doing the same things, you're going to run into the same sorts of people that have the same station in life. Okay? Force yourself out of your box. Layla. What is
1: the
0: fruit of my body? He's referring to a kid. A fruit that your body... Produces right if your body's a seed, that's what it means.
1: Using pure spirit.
0: No, he's talking about something different. He was just referring about children as if they were a fruit that came from a, a plant. Um, okay, so so you have to be uh, be careful. Stop making distinctions. Okay, force yourself. Say, look, I'm. It's a trap. When so, when I start seeing, hey, here's how I think about this person because of prison, not prison, age, wealth, whatever it is. Okay, say doesn't matter. Um, secondly recognize the power of your words, okay? We said that you can, what you say can be just as powerful or just as detrimental, it's a violation of the law relative to, say, murder or treating someone like they're your spouse when they're not, okay? Do you guys believe that, that your words are powerful? Yes. You should. Your words are super powerful. What you can say can hurt people very, very badly. Often, you may not mean it, but maybe you did. And but you can't take it back. Words say... Words will stick around a lot longer than a slap in the face, to be honest. You can slap somebody in the face and maybe it shows a little red on their cheek. And it'll take a day, maybe two days, and that red spot will go away. But the words that you say to somebody will stick with them for a very, very long time. Okay? Which means words can be very harmful. But what, what does that also mean? If words can be very harmful, it also means they can be what? Very powerful and kind. Exactly. They can be very powerful and kind. The risk that you bring with not being careful with your words in a negative way means that you can do something very powerful and great with your words in a positive way. Okay? So think about that. God says, I gave you a mouth that brings you a bunch of risk on what comes out of your mouth. But think, if I could just change that and use that same power for good, to build people up, to encourage them, to express mercy, I forgive you. Do you understand? It's a very powerful thing. We tend to use it for evil. (laughs) Okay? Keep it shut until you can figure out how to use it for good. Yeah, that's right, Everett. Everett's got the right idea. Thumbs up. Keep it shut until you can figure out how to use it for good. Everett's going to have a bumper sticker on his vehicle. Okay? All right. Um, And then always remember, always remember your equality before God with everybody else. Okay? Your stance, your relationship with God is entirely dependent on the existence of your sin and the existence of his mercy. Okay? If you meet someone else and they have sin in their life, great, you have a friend. Who does the same things you do. Who also needs that same mercy of God. And which you may use that sweet mouth of yours to tell them. See how it all comes together? God does not leave you much room to just flat out be irritated with the guy. And to not help. And to not be kind and not to give mercy. There's just not a lot of room for it. He's got bundled up a lot of things that says, look, you're going to be merciful. Because I gave you mercy. You're going to be kind because I was kind to you. You have sin. Recognize that everybody does. Okay? It's seeing yourselves incorrectly is the real risk there. Layla. You stretch for a long time in a wild manner. How am I to know to discern your questions? I forgive. Okay. Good. Questions, guys. Questions or thoughts? Why is everybody stretching? I'm Ever. Are you stretching? You have a question. I'm not
1: stretching.
0: you just pumping your arm?
1: I', I stretching. What kind of weirdness is this? All right,
0: all right, Shh. Ella, go ahead. Uh, it's a prayer request. Mm. Hold on, hold tight with that prayer request just for a minute. Let's finish this up and then I will, then we'll take him. okay? Any questions, guys, thoughts from this part of James?